0: Welcome to the Digital Aircraft Secrets Podcast. I'm Mark Schultz, your host. Aviation Professionals for Digital Aircraft Operations is a forum created to help our industry to progress forward into the full implementation of digital transformation and digital systems. Thank you for listening. Hey everybody, it's Mark Schultz here and we are live with another edition of Recovery in Aviation. I'm really excited to be here today with you with my co-host Larry Little, former retired Boeing um, expert in digital transformation. Good morning, Larry. How are you?
1: Hey, Mark. Good to be with you uh, again today. Kind of a special edition of uh, Recovery in Aviation today on a Thursday. It's good to be with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We're really, uh, we're really like to come here and And uh, to be able to share good news with you and information about recovery, Larry keeps reminding me in all of our broadcasts that uh, our point and purpose in doing this is that we want to present um, ideas and innovation that people can focus on uh, and that would drive us toward recovery in aviation. Um, Larry, you're always good about reminding me of that.
1: You know, Mark, uh, there's so much gloom and doom that we read every day, whether it comes from government or regulators or IATA about how bad bad things are. And I think everyone in the airline industry knows how bad things really are with load factors. But what we really want to do today is talk about where are we going and how do we, we recover and how do we change the shape of that recovery uh, and that recovery curve uh, and, and really get people flying again uh, and feeling safe flying again sooner.
0: Yeah, it's really about looking, looking at forward. what's happening. Yeah, it's really about looking at what's happening around us and understanding how it's affecting our business. Innovating and coming up with new ways to be able to drive recovery. And it's leaders in aviation, like everyone that's on this call on this program today, that are going to drive recovery faster than if we just waited for things to happen around us. Um, so you know, each week we try to bring to you uh, leaders in the industry, and we try to bring to you new information and interesting ideas. And uh, we're going to do that again today. Um, let me get a couple of things out of the way real quick. Is is that you know this is a live broadcast, and so you will be able to have uh, questions answered live. Um, we monitor the questions, and we have the ability to be able to uh, interact with you and to be able to answer your questions live. So um, post your comments, uh, you know, below this broadcast, and we'll do our best to answer your questions live. Um, also, I wanted to ask you if you'd help us out and to share this uh, this broadcast. Um, with your audience so we can get maximum attendance. So with that, let's go ahead and uh, you know jump in and get going and start our conversation. Join in the conversation with us. Hey, we have a really great guest with us today, and he actually has a background. He trained as a, uh, originally trained to be a commercial pilot and then decided to change direction and uh, become um, uh, engaged in uh, computer science and to be able to work on uh, implementation of IT within the industry. And he focused on Um, uh, aircraft configuration software, e-enabled aircraft. Um, He formerly worked for Lufthansa Technique, and then he went to work for Etihad and was involved uh, immensely in the entry into service of aircraft um, such as the uh, A380, the 787, the 747-8, and the A350. But really what he has is he has a passion for IT and optimization of businesses and engineering, and all the things that go with helping us to make our businesses successful. And he's based in the United Arab Emirates, and so we're going to be able to get a perspective today of what's happening in that region. So I'd like to uh, bring him into our broadcast here today, and we have uh, Mark Christian Reichle um, with us today. And uh, Mark Christian, um, welcome on the program today.
2: Hello, Mark. Hello, Larry. Thanks very much for having me.
0: Hello. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, Great to have you with us. Um, You know, I really like bringing people on the program that are from different parts of the world because it really helps us get a first-hand perspective on uh, what's happening. And so, um, uh, where are you based today, um, Mark Christian? Uh,
2: I'm sitting here in Abu Dhabi. So, I'm uh, just a few hours ahead. So, here's evening. Outside, it's already dark. So Okay, great. And uh, um, how long have you been
0: in the UAE today?
2: Uh, I'm in the UAE for roughly seven years now.
0: Seven years. Great. Okay. And uh, Mark Christian resides there with his family. Um, I've been to uh, his flat. He has a great, uh, he has a great place that uh, (laughs) overlooks the uh, the Corniche there in Abu Dhabi. As a matter of fact, one time he took me to watch the Formula One hydroplane races, you know, (laughs) down on the water down there um, over the Corniche. Uh, It's a great place you have there.
2: Thanks so much. Yep. (laughs)
0: Uh, Excellent. Uh, so it turns out that um, that Mark Christian and Larry and I worked together. Oh, actually, Larry and I worked together at Boeing, and Mark Christian was involved in the entry into service of the 787. And that's where we actually first met. Was I think you I think you came over for one of the 787 e enabling conferences or the yes. uh, startups, didn't you? Wasn't
2: it? Uh, I, I attended some of the uh, enabling conferences from Boeing. Um, uh, that time I think it was the key speaker of one of them on the last one. And, um, uh, yeah, there were obviously more um, interaction um, between Etihad and Boeing um, at this time during the EIS. I'm uh, running A380, 787 at the same time. So it was a very interesting time.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely was. Um,
2: definitely. Well, you know, we want to jump in and have a
0: discussion about uh, people are always interested in what's happening mm-hmm. in the region. And so, um, you know, Mark Christian, can you tell us a little bit about what's happening in uh, in the UAE right now with respect to, you know the coronavirus. I mean, are there are there changes? You know, how is it affecting the people?
2: You know, over there in the region
0: right
2: now. Um, uh, I mean, it's um, I guess pretty much um, uh, the same like I'm um, in other countries as well. Um, from a higher perspective, so um, uh, there was some um, uh, kind of um, uh, a curfew um, uh, which um, uh, started um, uh, around um, uh, end of April, uh, end of March, sorry. And um, uh, I mean, yeah, looking out of the window, you know, we have a great view on the Corniche and it was from one day to the other, it was empty. So this was definitely something a significant change to before. So people were asked to stay at home, public areas like parks, playgrounds, everything was closed. The malls, which are pretty, let's say, familiar here because it's usually pretty warm outside. So people like to go to the malls. Everything has been closed. Um, uh, there's a curfew from uh, eight p.m. to six a.m. in the morning. This was some already eased by the beginning of Ramadan, which is now roughly uh, two to three weeks ago. Um, uh, to start at ten p.m. Uh, still to six a.m. in the morning, but they also started now opening up um, uh, the the malls, at least a few of them, under strict restriction, obviously. And um, uh, I mean, they, they try to kind of um, uh, bring uh, normal life from um, uh, step-by-step back while i um, obviously observing um, uh, how COVID um, uh, is um, uh, developing, um, uh, um, yeah. but it surprised me a little bit. Um, uh, I was not, let's say kind of, I was expecting uh, that there might be some impact in the regard of supply. Like, I um, uh, you go to the supermarket, um, uh, some things might be gone. Uh, like the um, uh, stories we heard, um, I'm originally from Germany. So Germany, um, uh, I think everyone went, went for toilet paper. Um, uh, I have not observed something like this here. So um, uh, this is something which was really, say for me, pretty amazing how this was um, done in the background. All the the infrastructure, the processes, some um, were running really very well, and this was handled. Um, I mean, amazingly, from my perspective. Yeah. Well, how people. <laughs> oh go
1: ahead larry go yeah, ahead i think yeah. one thing we're seeing in the in the middle east and pretty much around the, around the world is is airlines looking forward to t- and t- really talking about getting a significant increasing significantly increasing the number of flights whether it be <laughs> Qatar or, or etihad or or, or Emirates, uh or even saudi talking about you know a recovery in june or july where uh, a significant amount you know getting some uh, a large number of airplanes flying again
2: yeah, I mean, obviously, um, the airlines are eager to fly again. Um, Etihad um, wanted to fly, start flying again. Um, I think a week ago, um, which was then postponed. Yeah. Um, uh, then um, uh, the date was um, kind of thrown out um, around a um, June timeframe um, to start operational again. Um, just today, I read um, the date um, that by effect by, by tomorrow, um, a route will be um, opened um, from Melbourne um, to um, London um, via Abu Dhabi, obviously. But um, uh, the passengers will be not allowed to leave the airplane um, uh, while I'm um, uh, stopping here in Abu Dhabi, and this will be um, uh, like a um, uh, weekly service. So um, uh, you can just go there, you can book your ticket, and um, uh, you can fly. There might be obviously restrictions um, uh, in regards um, uh, of. Uh, entry, you're, 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 the country you're flying to, like maybe you need to have a visa, you need to maybe quarantine yourself afterwards or something, there might be additional limitations, but at least the route gets opened up again.
1: You know, Mark Christian, you're spot on. You know, I read a lot or see a lot uh, uh, and talk to people a lot that airlines want to start flying again in the June or July time period. But one of the biggest barriers is, can you actually get into that country? And what sort of proof do you have that you're healthy to be able to get into Vienna or Lisbon or New York uh, or Los Angeles? So you know, where airlines want to start flying again, uh, there's still that barrier uh, that's controlled by the individual countries about letting people in. But it seems um, like airports air, airports are trying to do everything they can to make the airport uh, passengers feel safe as well.
2: Yes, and, and to be honest, I think it's um, a little bit also confusing to find out about um, the exact details. Um, i just scanned on um, uh, the, the information today the news and um, uh, also at, uh, Emirates um, uh, announced that they um, uh, will start operating um, uh, um, uh, commercial flights um, uh, by um, uh, May 21st yeah. um, to, i think it was nine destinations um uh, toronto um, was um, i think was one of them and chicago i think um, um, and then another um, news um, said that um, Canada and U.S., um, that they um, are extending um, their um, uh, shutdown. So I was a little bit confused. Okay, um, uh, one airline says they are start flying there. And um, uh, on the other hand, you get the information that they are extending um, uh, their um, uh, limits. So it's a bit, uh, yeah, I think quite yeah, difficult. It's I, I, I not just spot a spot on, ticket to you know. you go there and you, you can enter the country. You might have some uh, yeah, interesting experience. Yeah, yeah, I think you're spot on. You know,
1: I'm, I'm here in Seattle and I don't think I could drive to Vancouver, Canada. You know, I'm certainly I don't think I could get into Toronto. So uh, even if, you know, even if the airlines want to fly, there's still that uh, uh, governmental uh, processes or barriers in place that we're going to have to navigate through.
0: So, hey, um, Mark, Kristen, what are you seeing happening at the airport? What is the airport doing to you know, promote the recovery um, of getting people to travel again?
2: that's a very good question um, to be honest I don't know exactly um, uh, how they um, say promote people traveling again obviously it's still there is a big demand um, uh, for people which just want to go back home um uh, because they got stranded here or um, uh, maybe they um, uh, they say they would like just just spend this a difficult time with their family at home. I mean, UAE is, I once heard the figure around 80% of expats or foreigners here. So they have the family somewhere else on Earth, and they would like just just go there. Maybe some mother, father, wherever. maybe some people, family members are sick, so they want to go there. And just India, the flights to India, the repatriation flights just started, I think, a week ago. And um, they are completely full for, for weeks um, uh, in advance. So there's a huge demand um, uh, for people just going back home.
1: Yeah, I had an opportunity to listen to an interview from the actually the head of the Dubai airport. And he, you know, he talked about how the, the airport is, was like you know, I think in, in April 97% down in terms of traffic, but he's they're starting to see mm-hmm. more people come into the airport. But he also talked about, you know it's gonna be standard practice when you go to the airport that you have your temperature taken and that you wear a mask. And uh, so it's certain just these common things that you see across, uh, I mean, I think the Middle East is kind of leading this as kind of the hub of the world. Uh, But uh, he talked about, you know, those standard procedures are just things that that we're gonna, um, um, you know, become more comfortable with.
2: a couple of days ago, there was some uh, video from uh, Abu Dhabi Airport um, uh, where they showed um, uh, some uh, new um, installations about how the check-in will be performed in the future. I mean, future means when traveling, I guess, gets reopened again. And it's like it's like a tunnel. You go there. You you look into the camera. You maybe wave your your passport. And then your temperature gets checked. If you're above 37.5 degrees Celsius, then personnel will be called and you will be guided to to different place. While um, uh, if you're fine, then um, uh, I guess a green light comes up. You get your um, uh, you get checked in for the flight, um, and before leaving the tunnel, um, uh, there's some uh, disinfection spray um, uh, to to make you safe. Um, uh, so it's um, uh, I mean the video looked a little bit futuristic. Um, uh, let's see, um, but yeah, usually the UAE, I would say, um, uh, they are let's say uh, at the at the head um, uh, in these changes and implementing these rules. Um, uh, it's, I guess, also the environment where you can simply do things like this. Yeah.
1: But I just think it's so interesting that you know every day uh, or every week, whether it be airlines making changes or airports making changes, uh, there's a lot going on to make p- people feel comfortable flying again.
0: Yeah, we, we've seen some. We've seen some big impact to those airlines over there too. Like Emirates, for example, um, we, we knew that uh, uh, that they they're making some changes to their fleet, and and I think I saw. Um, I, I saw an interview by um, uh, Tim Clark where he talked about the A380s and, um, you know, how the future of the A380s isn't very positive right now. Uh, Mark Christian, do you have any, have you heard anything about um, Emirates and the, their fleet changes or anything that's happening with the A380s or anything like that?
2: Um, uh, the fleet changes, to be honest, um, uh, I was not following up um, uh, so much on it, but um, uh, to me, it's pretty, um, uh, let's say, kind of clear that um, uh, A380, it's um, uh, on the Reducing or yeah, route. Some other airlines like Lufthansa. I think they are now grounding the last A380 for them. And I'm working on a conversion to even to a cargo version. But as a passenger airplane, eventually we might have seen the last on couple of months where this airplane is flying. Emirates with having over 100, I think 112 A380s. I assume that they will operate them a bit longer um, until they have transitioned to a new fleet structure. But um, uh, yeah, I think the the high days are, um, uh, are gone for this yeah airplane.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's difficult. How about Etihad? How's that affected Etihad? They have, also have A380s, right?
2: We have A380s, Etihad A380 has A380s, um, uh, beside other airplanes, obviously, as well. Um, uh, they are running on a efficiency improvement program on the A380. Um, but my um, uh, personal opinion, um, uh, I also think um, uh, the days are kind of counted um, uh, for this airplane. Um, uh, fuel prices are low at the moment, but um, uh, it's still um, uh, compared to others, it's um, not efficient. Well, let's uh, let's dive down
0: into some of the things that you were doing. Now, Mark Christian, you worked at Lufthansa Technique previously, and uh, you also worked at Etihad. And I know you know with focus on on computer science. Um, with focus on IT, that you have been involved in a lot of entry into service activities for those airplanes. So um, tell me a little bit about what you were doing, uh, doing your entry into service for the e-enabled aircraft.
2: Uh, I mean, with Lufthansa, I started, um, uh, let's say, setting up the enabling processes um, uh, for e-enabled airplanes. So for A380, mainly looking after the aircraft software configuration, which was kind of a new topic um, when these airplanes um, entered the market. Uh, and um, uh, also the, the software management as such, so also implementing um, the, safety, uh, the safety procedures um, uh, to ensure that the software is um, uh, yeah, safe uh, to load on an airplane and um, uh, to ensure that the software cannot be um, uh, altered on the way from uh, the engineering desk to um, uh, the, the cockpit when it gets installed. Um, uh, so this was um, with um, Lufthansa beside other projects as well. Um, uh, then I joined Etihad um, uh, again entry service project A380 787, um, which is 787 let's say also coming uh, a new dimension uh, for my uh, enabling. And um, uh, after the implementation, I'm um, uh, preparation for A350 which is still ongoing. Uh, and other projects, some um, like I'm um, uh, implementing an um, um, RFID um, uh, solution um, uh, within the airline to optimize some um, uh, processes um, uh, for automation um, uh, to, to improve um, uh, the data quality, which is available. Um, yeah.
1: So, yeah. Mark so was no, you, it was really interesting that you mentioned uh, local software because you know, Mark, uh, we've talked about what does it take to get all these parked airplanes back into service, and we think about engines and landing gear, but from a software standpoint man that's a big task to make sure all the software on on an a3 a part a380 or a uh you know or triple seven is is up to you know is up to compliance
2: yeah i mean i'm um, uh, it's it's similar managed like um, uh, like normal hardware parts so um, uh, yeah. you have your frequent on um, the uh, software which gets changed like NAF database um, uh, so you have your schedule for, for these but yes i'm um, uh, needs to be loaded. On the other hand, um, uh, I mean, looking from a let's say kind of a at the positive um, uh, in this situation, now you have the airplanes, um, uh, mostly, uh, most of them are grounded. So now you have time to to implement updates which um, otherwise um, would be um, uh, extended um, uh, for for months until you have the um, uh, the this ground time long enough to load software. It's not a simple update at home um, with the browser maybe takes five minutes. Um, on the airplane, it easily takes half an hour or um, uh, there are even bigger ones which take several hours. So um, uh, now it's a great opportunity to to get your aircraft from uh, up to date.
1: Yeah, I, I know some airlines have really great tools and processes for keeping track of compliance on on software parts and others don't. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's a key part of, of getting the airplanes back into service.
0: Yeah. Hey, part of our conversation here always includes um, giving people the opportunity to ask questions, and uh, so I wanted to just take a quick break and introduce a, a couple of questions that have come up. One of them is a little bit of a go-back, but the reason I'm doing it is because I want to encourage those of you that are watching, we have a lot of people online right now, I want to encourage you to submit your questions. Um, actually, uh, with my uh, old friend back there at Etihad, Nicholas Zika. Um, hey, how are you today, Nicholas? Uh, glad to see you online. Um, Nicholas submitted a question. He said that, uh, I've heard that there's been discussion, let me just read it here. He said he heard there's been talk of passengers being required to have certificates of fitness to fly before they can board an aircraft. Is that how do you see the role of technology in facilitating this process so it not become a burden on passengers? So maybe we just, uh, in taking one of our questions, um, you know, we've we've all seen uh, certificates of health uh, being a requirement in the past. And Nicholas is basically asking, "Hey, you know, maybe there's technology that could be implemented that could optimize that. What do you guys think?" I mean, go ahead.
2: Uh, here in the UAE, um, uh, I think it should be pretty easy because um, uh, everything is managed by. Um, uh, we have the so-called Emirates ID. Um, uh, I think in the US, something um, uh, pretty similar to your driver license. Everything is kind of linked to your driving license, right? So here it's your Emirates ID, and um, uh, if you go to the doctor, um, uh, they just um, uh, let's say read in or scan your um, uh, Emirates ID, and everything gets linked to it. So it, it, ideally, or let's say here it could be easily, you go to your doctor, um, uh, you, you get the examination, um, uh, they tick a box um, uh, in the system, or say okay, um, uh, has been checked, it's good to, to fly for the next, I don't know one day, one week, two weeks, whatever has been um, uh, defined. You go to the airport anyway, you have to present your ID or your eye scan and uh, they could call up this information. So um, uh, here it would be quite easy. Other countries, different restrictions, different jurisdiction um, uh, might be, let's say more burden um, uh, or obstacles to get this one implemented. Yeah, you know,
1: Nicholas, I think a great question. And, you know, I think we kind of all see where this is going. You're going to have an app on your phone. You know, that kind of uh, reflects the the current state of your of your health. When have you been back? Have you been vaccinated when we come up with Mm a vaccination or or when have you been checked? And, you know, you're going to need that as part of your e-passport to be able to uh, to, you know, to get through um, health security at the airport.
0: Yeah, I think this makes perfect sense. I mean, you know, in the past, if you have traveled for any time in the the past, you know, we had a yellow immunization card that you had to carry with you. You know, and uh, I used to have a yellow fever, you know, uh, immunization record in order to be able to get into some countries. And it just makes perfect sense, Larry, that we would either have an app or that, you know, who knows, maybe it could be embedded into the RFID chip, you know, onto you the passport. I don't know if that's possible. <laughs> yeah.
1: This is what you had?
0: <laughs> what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I had. You have your you have your yellow card right there. Perfect. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Just in case I want to travel today. I <laughs> but, but there's going to be... A- an app to do this, right? Yeah, and, you're all uh, set. And, yeah, and, you know, hopefully these app applications will be interactive. Whether it be your passport, your boarding pass, your health health card. Um, I, I mean, uh, Nicholas, I think that's where, uh, obviously, where we're where we're going.
0: Yeah. I mean, how many people have touched that yellow fever card there, that immunization <laughs>
2: card? So, <laughs> I mean, it would be interesting also about, um, let's say, kind of, from um, uh, having a standard, um, uh, because maybe what is is good from perspective of the UAE to travel might be not acceptable for the for the destination. Um, uh, so you go there, and um, uh, they still require you for um, uh, to go to um, uh, quarantine. So. Yeah, thinking about um, uh, also, I mean, duty travel is one thing. If you have um, a meeting and you have to stay in quarantine for the first two weeks, then I guess it's not worth flying. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: And um, you know, so I think those things are going to have to get worked out. You know, both both uh, finding electronic ways to do this—that was a great question—and uh, getting standards between different countries on what's acceptable. That's really going to be a challenge. You know, to be able to do that. Um, so that was really a gr- great question. I wanted to encourage others out there. There's a lot of people watching. I would appreciate it if you guys would continue to uh, ask us uh, questions. Um, I have another one that came in here from uh, um, from uh, Klaus uh from Lufthronix. Um They're a drone company. They're actually going to be on our program here um, in the near future. Uh, Mark Christian asked. uh, uh uh, how long is the ramp to get this full fleet operational again after this extended period of time of storage? So what do you guys think about how long it'll take to get the fleet completely back up and running You know, during this time of storage? Well,
1: that's, I can that only... is a really hard question. I think Mark and I are both kind of take our heads. That's a really tough question. And uh, you know, yeah. we, we talked about mobile software and all the things that it takes and all the processes that it takes uh, you know, and, and I think we'll see the narrow body fleet come back. Uh, you know, that's what I'm seeing. It's certainly in the U.S. The narrow body fleet that's been parked and, and uh, also Ryanair as well uh, coming back probably toward the end of the summer. Uh, but some of the other airplanes, you know what? They might never come back.
2: Hmm. I think yeah, it's I, also I, almost uh, dependent on, on the where- it's also dependent on some other factors in the background. Um, uh, so it depends on um, your stuff. Um, uh, what have you done with your stuff? Um, uh, are they on, um, let's say, leave, long-term leave? Have you reduced your headcount? Um, uh, do you have enough resources to bring your complete fleet back um, uh, in the short term? Uh, maybe your fleet is up to date, but um, uh, maybe you don't need all your assets um, uh, to fly again because um, uh, uh, I talked to, to other colleagues in other airlines, and, um, and they said um, uh, for them it's kind of um, uh, it's founding a new airplane, a new airline. Um, uh, the, the information about the routes, how many airplanes you need which kind of airplane you need um, uh, what is the, the travel demand? how often do you fly to which destination? all this information is at the moment kind of let's say worth nothing because um, uh, they really need to start more or less from scratch to look into the demand and to have to, to define um, uh, the, the proper to use the proper tool for the proper uh, to serve the, uh, the demand. So yeah, it's, um, uh, eventually, um, uh, I guess the airlines might have a luxury prob- a problem of having more uh, airplanes available, um, uh, but not able um, uh, to immediately bring them back um, uh, into operation because it doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah, I think that's really the point is that, um, is that demand, uh, the demand for aircraft is going to drive you know how fast the aircraft uh, go back into service. And I personally think that, yeah, there's a lot of aircraft on the ground. And I think that uh, that they'll be able to be returned to service. Um, as fast as the demand for those airplanes, you know, uh, comes. I, I think that the, the, the requirement for an airplane will, will uh, be the first question. You know, how many airplanes do I need flying? And the second question will be how quickly do I get them back up again? So I'm not so certain it's going to be a technical problem getting them back up in the air as much as what it is, um, the demand for the airplanes. You know, there's a
1: couple other dynamics going on as well. You know, Ryanair is flying what they call ghost lights. So that they, mm-hmm. they didn't park the airplanes. They just they're flying around empty because they recognize that that passenger demand is going to increase and it's just uh, more efficient to keep flying the airplanes, even if they're empty. So you keep them compliant and keep them, you know, you don't have to go through all the, the parking procedures, parking and storage mm-hmm. procedures. So that's going on. And I think, you know, a lot of airplanes are being returned, that a lot of airlines who are struggling are returning lease, leased airplanes back to leasing companies. And they're able to redeploy those airplanes in, uh, in places that, are, that the recovery is happening quicker, like Asia.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So um, let's continue our discussion then. And I want to continue to encourage you to uh, uh, jump in questions um, and we'll try to answer them online here. Thanks for submitting those questions. And, uh, you know, um, Mark, Kristen, one of the things that you focused on in your career is really focused on efficiencies. You've really focused on how do I create efficiencies, you know, in an operation? And, um, you know, we've had a lot of guests on this program and so many people are looking for, you know, how do we innovate? How do we come up with new ideas and new ways to create efficiencies? But the reality is, is that some of the things that we have not done in the past create efficiencies in our operation become even more important. Now, you know, Mark Christian, how does the role of creating efficiencies, you know, play into operating our airlines under these new rules, these new guidelines?
2: I mean, i uh, joining the, having joined um, uh, the aviation industry I'm, uh, for enable airplane, I had to say, uh, I got the tools in my hand right from the beginning. Um, uh, talking about, um, uh, providing or delivering the software to the airplane. Um, uh, one is some uh, bring it manually. I mean, someone has a physical um, a media and goes through the air, uh, to the aircraft and loads the software compared to other mechanisms available um, uh, from the manufacturers like um, uh, called on um, a uh, gate link by sending the the software through um, uh, Wi-Fi or through um, uh, 3G um, uh, to the airplane. So, I mean, with Etihad with, on um, left-hand side was the manual process. So um, with Etihad, um, we implemented um, a gate link, so the software was transferred digitally um, uh, to the uh, to the aircraft. So um, uh, that was definitely um, uh, already seeing um, an efficiency improvement. Um, also, I mean, looking into the the, the processes around, um, uh, in some documentation, um, uh, it's written that software should be treated like um, a physical part. Um, but um, uh, you have different, um, uh, I mean, special characteristics um, uh, of software where you can send it, as I just mentioned, um, uh, digitally to the airplane. So therefore, you can um, uh, kind of skip some process steps which you could not st- um, uh, skip, obviously, with the physical part, and um, uh, you can uh, gain these some um, uh, benefits. Um, yeah, you know,
0: um, uh, Larry, you know, you you've spent your entire career, you know, focusing on trying to implement uh, digital, or at least half of your career. I mean, um, you know, this seems like a really opportune time for people to, to change over and implement some digital efficiencies, isn't it? You guys are, are spot on. You know, we've spent the, like what the
1: last 20 minutes or so talking about the passenger experience and how to get people flying again. But you know what? Mechanic experience is going to be totally different uh, going forward as well. Uh, it's, uh, it's the it's the mechanics are going to start to embrace uh, these new technologies or digital tools. Uh, I think not only because of efficiencies, but because of health and to, to facilitate social distancing. Uh, you know, every every mechanic is going to have an iPad. They're going to have a collaboration tool that they're able to uh, interface with the other people within the enterprise. And those are just going to be standard ways for mechanics to be able to do their job. So. You know, just like the passenger experience is going to be different for all of us, the mechanic experience is going to be different. And I just think people are going to start to embrace the tools, Mark, that we've been talking about for years uh, that are going to bring not only efficiencies, but uh, make people feel safe wanting to come back into the workplace.
0: What do the two of you think have been some of the obstacles that were preventing people from implementing more digital? Mark Christian, what, what, what has prevented people from implementing more digital in the past?
2: I think in the past, um, uh, one thing was obviously um, uh, you have processes in place. Um, uh, so let's say the old IT um, uh, statement never touch a running system. Um, uh, so people who are used to the processes. So um, uh, just don't don't touch them. Um, this is maybe something uh, right now. It's maybe the the an opportunity we have, which we might not get anytime um, uh, soon again. Um, uh, where I guess people are very. Um, uh, Open um, uh, for change um, uh, for the better, um, uh, to willing to change themselves, willing to change um, uh, processes. And on the other hand, um, uh, with having um, uh, most of the airplanes on ground, the operational pressure um, uh, to the operation is also um, uh, let's say drastically reduced. Um, uh, in, I think, I would say let's say most of the areas, some areas are pretty busy still. Um, uh, But um, uh, it's kind of an ideal scenario where you could implement these changes where you might have some resources available you would not have um, uh, during normal operation time um, uh, to use them and to to just look into the processes. See, okay, um, uh, what is done step by step? And um, also to analyze, okay, um, uh, what is the added value? Do we really need to do this? Or um, uh, is it something which is done because it was done um, uh, since long time, someone started with it? Um, but the information in fact is uh, never used downstream. Um, it's somewhere collected and it stays there, um, but not adding any value. So I think it's um, uh, potentially now the best time to, to do this kind of homework, looking to the processes, get rid of a more, that's a kind of old chunk and um, optimizing them. Also looking into a new, new technology, which is available for automation or um, more. Uh, Larry just mentioned it already, um, uh, with a um, uh, kind of E tech lock. Um, where in the past, you had, I mean, the information was prepared in a digital system, then it was printed on um, task cards some right. um, handed out to maintenance. um they were filling in the comments. Later, you have had the team, um, which was copying everything back into the system. Um, you had so many um, uh, people touching um, uh, this information. And um, I mean, we are all humans. so um, uh, we do errors, mistakes, happens. And um, uh, then you have another team we're um, uh, looking into the mistakes, figure, trying to figuring out um, how uh, to resolve those. So this could be kind of pretty simple or um, uh, resolved resolve nowadays. I mean, the, the solutions are out there. Um, now might be the best, um, uh, the ideal scenario to implement it. While I accept or I uh, definitely um, understand it might be difficult to start now something from scratch, getting funds approved, uh, in a situation where uh, airlines, obviously the, the main task is to stay financially um, afloat. Um, you
0: know, you Mark, know Larry, uh, well, you Larry, Mark, you know, you and I have, well, you, ahead, you and I have-
1: yeah, You know, Mark, we've, talk, we've talked about the four pillars of digital transformation for a long time. And and the four pillars now are more important to, than ever to be able to to come out of this uh, successfully four pillars of commitment by leadership, people, mm-hmm. um, tools and processes, and i.t and uh you know mark christian you, you, you kind of talked about all those things uh, together in terms of commitment and now's the time you know to for leaders to kind of look around and take advantage of what's going on and i think people are wanting to do things and wanting to make efficiency improvements and and the tools and processes uh we you know we, we've talked about them over the last month how it, it seems like every week there's a new tool a to process that we can uh, uh put in place to help come out of this uh this uh, how, how we can recover from what's been going
2: on um, mark you asked me about um, uh, the challenges from um, uh, um, uh, the optimization and um, um, uh, especially when it comes to enabling um, what I observed is um, that it's very uh, it's quite quite often um, uh, the case um, uh, where you have um, uh, like a new functionality um, uh, which is possible to implement um, uh, from air, air- plain side and on let's say software side but you have different stakeholders at the end which um, are consuming this um, let's say the, this added value um, and for let's say for, for three different a um, department it's um, it's adding value but it's just let's say one third of um, uh, it's just covering one third of the cost and um, uh, it's usually pretty pretty tough sometimes to bring all the different um, stakeholders around one table and um, uh, to agree to to sponsor these kind of projects. Um, uh, it's not not seldom where um, uh, it's end up where just um, uh, one is pointing at the other one and says, oh, you know, um, uh, I have a bit of a benefit, but um, uh, the other one has the benefit as well. So he should um, uh, uh, cater for it. Um, that's something um, uh, I was um, confronted with uh, quite a few times um, uh, and it's pretty, pretty, uh, difficult to overcome these, um, yeah. which also might be the current situation, um, the pressure might be um, uh, big enough um, uh, to, to push these things, um, uh, let's say, uh, to come overcome these things, bring people around the corner uh, the table and say, OK, yes, we, we do it.
0: Yeah, I um, uh, I think that, uh, that definitely the current events surrounding us are going to accelerate um, the movement of digital and solutions. Um, and so uh, I think that um, uh, definitely we're going to find that the acceptance of these things and, and these tools that we've been trying to implement for so many years are going to be more and more implemented, you know, due to the need for efficiencies and due to um, the people's greater acceptance of digital and technology, due to us being forced into doing that. Um, gentlemen, I, um, I have a lot of questions and I, I want to continue to go back to our audience because um, people sure. ask questions during the process. And uh, so let me, let me just throw a couple more things out there. Um, there's one question here from uh, uh, Rohit Rizal. He says, do you think the global aviation travel demand is quite low, even though the airlines will start to fly again? Um, he has a bit of a skeptical you know, traveler's perspective. So even though the airlines are ready to fly again, what do you guys think about the demand? Do you think people will, will get back flying again? And what do you think will cause them to be comfortable to fly again? You know, Mark, uh, um, you and I have talked about load factors and how. what are they going to what are the load factors
1: going to look like over the next eight, eighteen months? And there's so many, uh, I, I think, factors that will play play into that. And you know, government and opening up opening up countries is so important. People feeling comfortable flying again. I really think people are going to feel comfortable flying again sooner than than later. Uh, and and um, so, those those, but but, are the countries going to actually be open and allow people to come in?
2: What well, do you I mean- think? Yeah. Yeah. Just again, read an article where Emirates, I think, they mentioned in an article that they have installed these HEPA air filters, some of which are cleaning the air, filtering out ninety-nine point nine seven percent of bacteria and viruses and dust and whatever. So I think more of these kind of information about these protective measures need to be um mentioned to the uh, to the to the customers so that they feel safe to travel again um personally i'm uh, as mentioned before i'm uh, with some uh, duty travel for a meeting um uh, but you have to stay in current time uh, 14 days at your destination and when you come back maybe you have to stay another 14 days in your home country this is not paying off those these things need to be it's uh, a kind of normalized first um Comes back to um, uh, say vaccination. or um, uh, This becomes available. Um, we, we don't know yet. Um, uh, they say um, sometimes maybe beginning of next year, where it's more. It's a kind of more um, uh, realistic to, to expect something like this. I hope travel um, uh, comes back a little bit earlier, obviously. But um, uh, people need to be reinsured that it's safe to travel. Um, in regards of um, uh, changes during travel. Personally, from my experience from the 9-11, from, uh, I would not be surprised seeing um, the demand and uh, first class, business class um, uh, dropping again further. Um, and more people, let's say, tra- in, uh, traveling in economy class, um, uh, which um, uh, would be also kind of um, uh, served by um, uh, tourists. Um, uh, because I think while now, during the last couple of months already, um, we have um, seen uh, these tools like Zoom, like um, uh, Teams, uh, all the other um, uh, applications which are out there. Um, uh, and I think we have seen, okay, hey, it's not working so bad. So um, uh, yes, you can have virtual um, uh, conferences, you can have virtual meetings, and it's not um, uh, like um, uh, a couple of uh, years ago where this was very cumbersome. Um, uh, so yes, now you can do it. There are options out there. So um, I would not, um, uh, let's say, be surprised um, if you see this one as a standard, um. Uh, nowadays and forward. Um, uh, while I don't see um. Uh, let's say if I if I would like to, to go to vacation. Um. Uh, nothing can can um. Uh, give me the experience of um. Uh, walking through the sand. Um. Uh, lying under a palm tree. Uh, and hearing um. Uh, the sea. Um. I have to go there. And um, I think um, uh, This um, uh, Vacation travel um. Uh, Is coming first. it'll, it'll definitely come. It definitely will. And hey, um, uh, maybe something. Sorry, just to interrupt you. Um, uh, we have seen here already. Um, uh, more people are looking forward for staycations. So, um, uh, from Abu Dhabi, uh, they book more um, uh, like a hotel in uh, in Dubai, um, and just go there over the weekend, um, uh, just to see something else, not their own four walls. After having stayed a couple of weeks in the apartment, um, uh, just to have a change. You know? So people are really um, uh, they're looking forward to to go somewhere else. Yeah.
0: You know? Yeah, I so know. In, having having the taste are- of freedom again. We definitely all want to travel. There's no question about that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
0: I got a couple more comments from some people here. Um, one of my friends at Dassault Systems, um, Kirill uh, Strakov, uh, he says um, there are barriers that exist. One is closed borders. Definitely closed borders have to be open before people are going to travel. And two, you know, people's we've been talking about this, people's concerns, you know, about being infected. And so all the things that we've been talking about today really are you know addressing how do people feel more comfortable traveling and one of the things that we've seen is you know airlines coming out with programs to better communicate what they're doing like you said mark christian like i've seen videos from etihad talking about how they're cleaning aircraft from air canada from delta and so definitely the airlines are looking at how do we make the airplane you know safe for people to fly on and how do we better communicate to people that we are concerned about keeping it safe and what we're doing in order to be able to do that. You know, you know so- Mark,
1: it's not Mark, it's not just the airlines. You know, we've talked about the whole experience, suitcase packed to suitcase unpacked. The air- yeah. airplane experience is just a piece of it. Uh, I've also seen videos from Hilton and from Marriott and from Airbnb about, okay, uh, this is how we're gonna clean your room. This is how we're gonna make you feel safe once once you, you are there and you're unpacking your suitcase. So it's that whole sort of travel value stream, if you will, that I think uh, uh, people have to feel comfortable with.
0: Definitely important. And, you know, Mark Christian, good point. I think people are gonna be doing a lot more uh, domestic, you know, surface travel um, initially. But, you know, like you said, people wanna travel. People wanna go to places. You know i have so enjoyed uh going to dubai and abu dhabi and you know being involved in seeing all the different things you know in those countries is that that doesn't go away i still want to go there i still want to take my family there i still want to go there and so those 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 needs that we have to travel and go places you know are there and they will continue to be there that was a really good comment you know guys
1: think about this we've been dealing with this for what two months two and a half months and already people are starting to want to travel again and they're starting to understand all the things that it takes and all the precautions you're going to have to take and be comfortable with it. And to me, that's just happened really quickly.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. Hey, let's read a question from uh, a um, uh, project engineer, avionics and IFE, um, Julian M. It says, how fast do you see the recovery of aviation? Um, what will be the new status quo in traveling post uh, recovery? And uh, how can it be sustainable with social distancing requirements and all these things happening at the same time? Um, uh, Mark Kristen, do you want to kind of comment on that? How long do you think the recovery will come from your perspective?
2: Um, I mean, there, I'm definitely not the expert. Um, uh, I would say we just let's say kind of repeat what I have read, um, uh, and this is some um, uh, they assume that it will take until um, uh, 2023. Um, uh, in regards of the separation or um, uh, the social distancing, um, uh, I just read an interesting article today um, uh, from IATA where they say, okay, they are um, uh, supporting the request um, uh, for wearing face masks, while um, uh, they are not supporting um, uh, the request for having the middle seat um, uh, empty, which yeah. um, was um, uh, interesting to me. Yeah. Now, Larry, you've done a lot of work in looking at uh, the projections. You know,
0: what are your thoughts on? on the timing of, you know, there being higher load factors in the future? Well,
1: you know, there's quite a bit of variability, I think, in, in what's really going to happen. And, and it's probably going to happen sort of in, in stages. And and uh, personally, I, I think it's going to happen. The, the four P's are going to happen. And the four P's are panic. The four stages, panic, planning, processes, and proceed. So right now we're kind of in the panic phase. We've been in the panic phase about what's going on. And then we're starting to do a little planning about, okay, this is how we can get people flying again. This is how people will feel more comfortable. This is what we're doing to the airplane. We're going to take all those plans and we're going to make changes and procedures, and then we're going to go forward. Now, how long was this going to take? I think domestic travel, probably, uh, six to six to nine months, international travel, it's anybody's guess. Cause I don't think you can really predict out that, that mm-hmm. far, but, uh, panic planning processes proceed.
0: Yeah. Now, Larry, you know, given those timelines for recovery, just this week, I was sitting with one of the people I work with and we were looking at their projected revenues over the next year in their business. And I did not like the big hole that I saw in their current business. And so we immediately turned to discussing, okay, if the reality is, you know, we're processing that if the reality is that it's going to take that long for things to recover, then it's critically important that we re-looked at our business and said, what do we do differently in order to be able to bring new revenues in, given that I can't Mm -hmm. change how fast things are going to recover from a flying perspective.
1: You're spot on, Mark. It's the opportunity to think about how do I change the shape of that curve? There's some just, I think you kind of have to start with a baseline. Okay. This is what I think is going to happen. Given what I think is going to happen, what uh, educated guests, what changes do you need to make in your business to take advantage well,
0: to take advantage of this, yeah, yeah, really. And you know, um, Mark Christian, you you've spent a little bit of time thinking about that too. You know, what do you think are some of the key things that people should be doing? You know, during this difficult time, in order to be able to improve the prospects of their future business going forward.
2: Um, I mean, definitely, um, I would recommend to use the time to look into um, uh, um, resolving known issues. Um, uh, for example, in infrastructure. So if you have a big backlog in IT issues, I think that's the time where you should look at it. Looking about process efficiency improvements like we discussed already. This is the time I think it's really best to spend time in this topic because it will, that's what pays off later. As soon as operation starts again, you will see the fruits and you can harvest them. The other thing is, um, I mean, if you already look into your fleet, um, uh, um, how your fleet looks like, and uh, you have to um, uh, make changes. uh, I think that's also um, uh, worth looking into um, commonality. Um, Obviously, um, uh, if you have um, uh, different models, um, uh, you're more flexible, um, uh, and um, uh, it might be also obviously um, worth thinking about it, um, uh, having flexibility to adjust to different demand situations. While on the other hand, if you have too many options, then you will not be able to gain any of the possible benefits of these processes because you have to have all the processes in place for every single aircraft type, maybe subtype, and it just eats up all the benefits you could have.
0: Yeah. Hey, Larry, what are your thoughts on that? What should people be doing out there right now in order to be able to focus on recovery?
1: Um, really great question and there. There's probably a a lot of, uh, great ideas of what people should be doing, but it, it, you know, it is a great time to, to think about your tools and processes and how can you be more efficient and, and how are you going to make your workforce feel comfortable and safe and what tools and processes are you going to use? And there's so many opportunities out there to, to implement new technology, to really help this recovery be, uh, a lot faster.
0: Yeah, no question. You know, I, I had I had a number of discussions this week with different CEOs that'll be on our program. You know, coming up in the next coming weeks. And one of the CEOs told me when I asked him that question, he said, "Focus, all right." And I said, "What do you mean by focus?" And he said, "He said I have to look at the factors that are around me and what's changing. I need to focus on what's going to create success in my business." And Mark Christian, you just said it. Don't spread yourself too thin you know focus on the things which are going to be needed right now in order to be able to create success in your business because something that's going to impact your business a year from now if you can't survive until then it's not going to make a difference all right you know Mark, so, one
1: thing we talk about a lot here is is being positive right and i think yeah. some and that that's so important is that let's look forward let's be really positive about we're going to come out of this and we're going to be strong and we're going to survive this and i think we see some airlines
0: um not having that positive view and others that have yeah. that really positive view. And, and I think that really makes a big difference because I've seen that. I've seen the ones that are coming out really positive and uh, that makes a big difference. It really instills confidence in people. And so, you know, one of the things I keep saying to people is that my business will not be a casualty yes. of this circumstance, mm-hmm. right? I am going to figure out how to innovate and how to change and how to recraft and redesign my business so that we will be successful and come out the other end, you know, successful. Hey guys, we've had some really great discussion here today, and we had some really good questions from people. And uh, the rest of them out there, we're going to, you know, comment um, online, and we'll address them, um, you know, on LinkedIn. And uh, I, I really want to thank everybody for coming out and watching the program today. We had really such a great, you know, attendance, and um, you know, Mark Christian to have you on the show and to give a perspective of things that are happening in the UAE. I really appreciate that. Thank you for. For coming on, and I'm going to give the two of you just one last word, um, uh, Larry. Do you have anything else that you'd like to share at the end here? You know that uh, can be enthusiastic and and cause people to think about how do we drive toward recovery.
1: Well, you know, we again we read so much gloom and doom in the in the newspaper every day. Uh, there, but ahead of that, there's so many opportunities to to really come out of this as a stronger and 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 you know different uh, community uh, within aviation and. Um, and we will.
0: Mark Christian, how about you? You know, what's your perspective on uh, how do we drive recovery forward in these kind of circumstances?
2: Um, I mean, what you said already is with, um, uh, let's say kind of focus on what's really needed. Um, and the other thing is, um, I think in this situation, um, uh, also, uh, I think it's a good opportunity to to work together. So um, uh, to use the, ch- the, uh, the situation to have exchanges with other airlines on so, um, how they deal with some um, uh, issues, difficulties, so, um, what solutions they have in place, and so, um, what experience they made to um, uh, let's say save some time, save some money. We don't have this time and money right now in this luxury. but um, uh, I think mean we all can learn, can learn from each other. and um, uh, in this community, um, uh, we really should, should act as a community and um, uh, work together to, to overcome this situation. Yeah,
0: yeah. Hey, Mark Christian, I know there's been some reductions in forts and there's been some changes in different businesses all over the world. And um, I know that you've recently, only just recently at the end of the month, um, made the decision to move on and leave Etihad. What are you doing next?
2: Um, uh, in fact, I've stayed with Etihad roughly seven years. So I'm, uh, I'm now looking for a new um, uh, kind of challenge. i uh, been in the UAE, ideally in a, that's a kind of a full term contract. Um, I mean, seven years, I know it's um, uh, roughly 12 years I'm uh, looking at this um, uh, industry um, uh, from an uh, airline perspective. Also, I am uh, say gained a little bit of curiosity to look um, uh, from a different angle at this, maybe from a supplier or, um, uh, or manufacturer on my side. So yeah, I'm open um, uh, for, for widening um, uh, my, my vision um, uh, to get the full picture. Ah, fantastic. So if uh, people are interested in reaching out to Mark
0: Christian and having a continued dialogue with him, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, ideally, I would say I'm uh, via LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Okay, great. And uh, for the rest of you, if, um, if you want to get in touch with Larry or I, we're both on LinkedIn and uh, we can be reached there. You can do a search on hashtag digital aircraft and you'll get all sorts of information about what we're doing here at Digital Aircraft. And also, if you'd like to reach out to me specifically, you can get a hold of me by email and uh, you can reach me at mark at digitalaircraft.org. So um, that wraps up our program today. And I wanna thank both of you for joining us today, Mark Christian and Larry. Hey,
2: thanks. Thanks so much. All right,
0: great. And I wanna say to all of you, the way I close all of our programs, fair winds and following seas to you, (laughs) we're going to drive recovery. It will be with our enthusiasm and our great ideas and our innovation that we will increase and accelerate the recovery within aviation. And I challenge all of you as leaders to be part of that. Join the conversation and let's make this happen. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, wait don't go away yet we have a lot more interesting information to come hey i really appreciate you watching this broadcast but in order for us to continue to bring this to you free we have sponsors i'd really appreciate it if you would just listen to our sponsor and then we'll get right back to the podcast thanks i appreciate it thank you for listening to the digital aircraft secrets podcast digital aircraft exists to promote safe and efficient worldwide air transport Aviation connects the world. Aviation connects us as people. Join the conversation on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook at hashtag Let's help the aviation industry be a thriving place for all of us to reach our dreams.